Hi, I'm Andy Ford, presenter of the TV show On The Bank, and I've been asked to speak to you about the DNA podcast with Adam Kirby and Dan Sissons. Adam and Dan have told me they haven't got a clue what they're doing, but they are going to try and work it out. I suppose you'd best listen on and find out if they've managed it. Welcome to the first DNA Fishing Podcast with Dan and Ad. We are both, uh, dare I say, fresh back from the Cornish Lure Festival this last weekend. And we thought we'd share that with you. How you doing, man? I'm tired still. I'm still recovering. Um, It's like a jet lag, isn't it? CLF lag, I think, I believe they call it. Fishing hangover. Um, Well... And speaking of which, obviously, uh, with his excellent coverage, Andy Ford and Ben down at CLF, and uh, we'll thank Andy for our little intro there. Yeah. Um, he uh, kept us entertained over the weekend with his um, cameras and microphones and bits and pieces. Uh, I'm hoping that he, keep, he keeps in the edit a particularly stressful moment from yourself at Mever. That was exciting. It was fun <laughs> to watch from the sidelines. But... Um, how do you feel, mate? I I, I don't. It, it's that it's the struggle the week after CLF. I could do with a week off, right? I don't know about you. Well, to be honest, I'm the other way. Um, I surprised myself by how much I enjoyed it. Maybe we'll explain the backstory in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't because I think I finished better than I started. It kind of left me with a momentum that didn't go anywhere. So. I actually went, or well, I tried to go fishing yesterday. In uh, I had not very much time left after work. Um, we've got less and less daylight hours, and um, I felt like I had to go. So I ended up down at Town Quay in Southampton, which is a poor, a poor second to uh, to Cornwall. And uh, yeah, I got caught in a thunderstorm. Uh, there was very little to go at. I had a few black goby and a couple of sand smelt, um, and it didn't didn't really scratch the itch. But I tried, I tried. So I'm still desperate to get back out. <laughs> well, t- ten out of ten for effort, mate. Because I, I I did think it. I thought it yesterday evening. Um, but the wind come up a little bit more than what I anticipated, and I I thought better of it. I didn't want to spoil what was. What was a good weekend, but it as I do want to go. There's no question about that. I do want to give it another crack, but and soon, ideally. But um, I don't know, mate. I'll, I'll find that that place, Cornwall, generally speaking, is is difficult to replicate, right? Hence the reason why we ended up there when we yeah, said, yeah, well, that, that was we the deal, wouldn't. right? Is uh, <laughs> we both fished last year. We fished species category as we. Well, we always do. <laughs> um, yeah, we fished it last year. It was the new format with like the in-game Falmouth event that was on the on the Saturday, the full day. I think in reality, neither of us fully enjoyed it. Um, just the whole sort of competitive side by side LRFs a bit bit weird. Um, and I think we came away feeling that. Yeah, it was great. It was great that the event had evolved that way, but we weren't quite sure if it was for us. So I was surprised. <laughs> I was surprised more than anyone when we agreed we were going to do it again, especially as uh, 
for 2023, Ben and and Josh had added another side-by-side session on the Friday afternoon, uh, never gissy this time. So we were were in for double trouble. But actually, as I say, uh, second time around, I suppose, knowing what to expect without the shock of, (laughs) of that from last year. Yeah, I was all right with it. I fished like a complete tool, but you did all right. No, you you did exactly as, as you caught just as many as I did. I, I, I think we'll come to Falmouth. We, we, if we'll try and trace our steps through in a minute and we'll try and relive this glorious event and I'll come to Falmouth because there was an interesting, I thought it was an interesting observation on my part about Falmouth and how much it relates actually to to where I am down here in Portsmouth. But um, so late in the day we decided we were going to go species, right? Because originally the plan was going to be rats. And I think that's probably because we had our good friend Chris involved and he was going to taxi us around all weekend um, in his flash supersonic motor car. It actually made more sense, I thought, that we would go for species because it would keep us all maybe a little more entertained, right? It'd give us a little bit more skin in the game over 48 hours rather than going all-out ras fishing, which is a shame because I actually would look forward to going all-out ras fishing down there, particularly this time of year. Um, One day we will do it. So this was all quite late in the day and there were lots of messages going to to and from between all of us about, well, how many... Rods are we taking? What are we taking? Why are we taking this and all this kind of stuff? So that was every competitor, I would imagine, who were travelling down in groups would have had the same conversations in the days or weeks preceding. But ours was very late in the day on the basis that Chris's car might be supersonic, but it's not very big. So we couldn't cram it full of stuff. And in actual fact, I think in some ways it actually kind of focused us a little bit more on what do we really need as opposed to what we want to take. That's certainly how I felt about it anyway. Maybe that's the answer we all need, which is we had to do species because the lures are smaller and the car didn't have much room. Let's go with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll go with that then. We'll go with that. So we began, for those that don't know, I'm sure most of you listening will know this. It started at two o'clock on the Friday afternoon at Mever and it was going to be side by side, cheek by jowl, just an all-out species hunt with points awarded per species. And I think we clocked pretty quick, didn't we, that 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 was kind of a must score because effectively every species there was worth four times its value, right? Yep. And am I looking at this in hindsight or did we we clock that quite early on, didn't we? It, we had to we had to score there. Well, we should clarify that we did clock that earlier on, but as as of this moment in time, Ben hasn't released the score sheets. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. maybe we made a huge tactical error we might have and done. we focused on entirely the wrong thing. We might have but, done. Uh, yeah, our understanding was that you got four times the amount of points for a species that you caught of never uh, over catching that same species at any other time in the weekend. Yeah, so it was it was crucial to hit the ground running, which is, I think, where I came a cropper. Do you think so? I think one of the critical things that I witnessed down there and I've experienced is that it's one thing fishing on that breakwater with 30, 40 other anglers, right? That's one thing on a daily basis. It's fine. It's another thing 
when you're watching those people around you catch. And that's a different matter, right? Because we didn't really have free reign over that breakwater or jetty or, or harbour wall until an hour, at least an hour, hour and a half, two hours into the game when people started wandering. So I'd yeah, locked myself right. Yeah, I'd locked myself into a swim really for the first two hours. I didn't move. I just sat there because I didn't want to go start elbowing folk out of the way. And I know you went rogue eventually. I noticed you had a wander. Um but I kind of locked myself in that little spot and winkled out. Obviously a cork wing goes without saying and winkled out an early pout, which turned out to be killer. And yeah. a, aside from what else did I? Oh, the, when the garfish came in, didn't they? So we managed to get that done. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and there must have been something else because I had four there, but it will come to me in a minute. But until everyone started maybe to relax into it a little bit and it was it became a little bit more fluid, I felt a little bit hemmed in at that point and it reminded me a bit of Falmouth from the previous well, well, year. Well, here lies the problem for me then. Maybe the same as you, I'm not quite sure. But, uh, I mean, when I go fishing on my own or a small group of us i turn up at a venue with my lrf gear and i guess it's i feel like the bit that i enjoy is the watercraft so you know you've got a whole massive venue ahead of you like where are you gonna where are you gonna mm. fish and i think that's the bit i enjoy i enjoy working out what species is where and what state of tide but of course when you're on a venue with 50 other anglers say you don't get well as you've explained already you don't get free reign so you tend to fish where you can where's left and although it sounds like that's our game right we always used to say back in the day the reason we got into lrf was in the limited time available we'd just fish for what was in front of us and i suppose that's what we both did at meva at two o'clock is we found a space that was left um and we fished for what was in front of us, but you know, arguably that's not the way to to win a species race. Although you've said already, you did you did quite well, and you were only a few feet away from me, so I've got no excuse. I only when I sat on that outside wall there. <clears throat> um, I forget how long this was. It went from two to what half past six, something like that. It's all a bit of a blur. I think. Yes, yeah, something, something around like that, that. Yeah. Yeah, so I was there at least just sat in that one swim. It almost felt like a pegged beach, old beach yeah, match did. that you were pegged, and you were, you were. Um, that's not the comp, the modern vernacular of pegged, by the way. That's this is that's a different thing altogether. <laughs> but it felt like a match where we were stuck in one swim, and um, so I winkled. It was hard. Like I say, I got that jammy pal early on. Cork wing is a given. Um, those garfish turned up, which was which was very because we've struggled with garfish over the years. Yeah. I, you know, I think last year we had garfish, but before that we've always struggled. And that was dare I say fun. It was. That was a ton of fun, right? Because they were coming through, dragging though. There was like twenty or thirty garfish coming through, which which would attract predators, which we'll get to later. Because first you had to get a hook, you had to stick a hook in one in that bony old beak mm. that they have. And then your next part of the game was you had to get it past the big fat seal. So that's true. Yeah, that was uh, that's true. That was yeah, a, that was a fun moment. Of yeah. course, the seal. And we once I'd kind of, and then saying that, and then Chris uh, saw the shanny or the the blenny down the side of the wall. So 
once I'd winkled out one of those, which were the tiniest little blennies in the world, man. I oh, mean, they, they, they were tough. six or seven centimetres. They, they were tiny. Um, so they're really difficult to get a hook into. Once I'd winkled those four out, I knew I had to move then because it, it was nothing else was going to happen. I, I hadn't even had a pollock at that point. I not even had a little 12 centimetre pollock at that point. So I was more concerned that I hadn't had a pollock, even though I had all of Cornwall to aim for for the next 36 yeah. hours or whatever, that I hadn't had a pollock. And that's what gets in your, in your, you get in your own head a little bit, don't you? And you think, well, I might end up 48 hours here and not catch a pollock in Cornwall, you know? I, I could throw a penny in the water and I'd hit a pollock on the Isn't head. Isn't it weird? I think that's such a common thought process in the species hunt i know i was in exact now you say it i was in exactly the same groove like i knew i was behind where i wanted to be i knew i was a bit frustrated with a, a lack of bites and suddenly you know your mind is scrabbling around as to what you're what you're aiming for and you think a pollock i must be able to get a little pollock but of course if there's no pollock you're just you're just, you're just making life even worse for yourself. You're no longer fishing for what's there. You're trying to make the impossible happen, potentially. I think that's a one, one, of the little, uh, one of the little frustrating moments that repeat themselves over and over in a, in a long species hunt format. 100%. And as you'll bear witness to, I'm a changer. I'll try. I'll fish something for two minutes, and then I'll decide I'm not happy with it, and I'll change, and I'll change, and I'll and I'll keep changing. It doesn't matter where I am. I'll change regularly, right, to try and force the issue. And this is why I kind of get to a little degree where some folk will just fish drop shot, somay gulp, whatever that might be, all for a match, because they they're just going to get dialed in on it that same drop shot way or that same split shot way or whatever that might be. And whereas I kept changing and I kept saying to myself, why am I changing? Stick to what you're doing, right? And it was all because of a Pollock. That's all it was. It was only because of a little Pollock. And reasonably speaking, you would suggest that, look, Dan, you, you'll get a Pollock, mate. Don't worry about it. Do you know what I mean? But it, but it, it was frustrating me to the point where I left that swim there after two hours, I don't know what it was, two and a half hours, with four species, and I hadn't had a pollock. And then I started to wander because I had to go around and look at some stuff. And I found you around the other side, hiding away, um, trying to winkle it. Were you trying to get a Scorpo around the corner? Is that where you were? By the boat? Well, I was I was scrabbling around for confidence. I, did, I didn't start with any level of confidence um, for a number of reasons. So... I did all I could do, which was fish a mark that had fished well for me before. I say I fished a mark like it's featureless. It's just like it's just like 20 meters in that direction and just like 20 meters in that direction. <laughs> but that's exactly where my confidence happened to live at that period in time. So I was working that area. I mean, I, I could, you know, a tiny bit of detail was um, my thoughts were that's where the... Uh, Mevagisi fishing fleet more up and this this pattern repeats itself across the entire country is you know fishing boats come in they've been catching whatever they've been catching all day they wash the boats down and lots of little bits and bobs get washed through the scuppers and fall into the sea and I'm sure the local population of fish are very aware of this so my thought process was by fishing where those 
boats more up. I think there was one big trawler in place when we started that I might increase my chances, but it it just wasn't to be. I don't know if I was fishing like a chump, quite possibly. I know I know that I got a <laughs> I got uh I got uh blindsided straight away because you know, I tied on a drop shot on one of my outfits. I flicked it out and uh, I had a bite almost instantly. And it turned out to be, well, it must have been a ballon, uh, much bigger than I was expecting. And it did me straight away. <laughs> so, you know, if you've ever you want to start a species race uh, in such a shit manner, it's uh, it's losing your long tied drop shot Um rig to a to a ballon that you needed straight away and you being crossed that you well, didn't uh, respond to it and you didn't have your drag set properly and it's just like oh right so i, I mean yeah i started well, we, terribly we both got done didn't we i got done uh, yeah, that's right. first or second drop on the outside i dropped it in i was fishing small fishing tiny and you know that little pluck dink Thank gone instantly. Just knew I'd been balanced straight <laughs> How away. How many times do you and, and I funny do this it, in a comp where we catch the winning fish at the start and then lose it through our own, I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah incompetence is what it is. Yeah, it's, it's just plain yeah. incompetence. And it, funnily enough, I mean, we'll, we'll come back to this again when we revisit Meva, is that the Pollock struggling with a, with a tiny Pollock eventually turned into struggling for a ballon. Oh yeah. And and again, you I'm not talking about big specimen ballons here, but twenty centimetre fish, fifteens, eighteens, whatever. We really shouldn't be shouldn't have been struggling for a ballon ras. But I think the point being is, isn't it, you're in that headspace where you're trying to build up a bit of momentum and and to, to solely zone in on just a ballon would kind of omit everything else at that point. So you're like, well, I'll come back to that. I'll come back to that. Or more likely, I'll probably just jam yeah, one. Exactly I'll probably just get thinking. one by by default. Yeah. And it didn't happen, right? And then so, but we'll revisit that in a bit. But um, I felt much better once I started wandering with just, just a rod and my bag over my shoulder without lumbering loads of stuff and started wandering around. I came in on the inside Saw what you were doing there, having a little, you know, having a little go around there, and you said to me, "Work that edge, mate. There's there's stuff there. There's, just work it." So I had nothing else to go on. I couldn't go right up the end where I wanted to go and get a gold tinny because it was jammed up at the at the end, and it, the kind of that was all I had. And and weirdly, like a parting of the Red Sea, it just kind of cleared out for us. There was just space. We had space. I could, you could flick a cast ten yards yeah. away and then work it slowly, work it back to me. And I, particularly when I'm working harbour walls and things like that. And for anyone that's, that's that's doing any of this stuff, if you can give yourself a little bit of room either side, and rather than fishing just under your rod tip, you can flick either side and bring it back to you slowly. It gives you much more opportunity to work a bait faster or slower than it is just solely focusing under the rod tip, you know, kind of pencil gripping the rod there and just kind of waiting for something to come to you. You can draw stuff in. Oh, you're so right. Like, I don't know how many times I thought this over the weekend, and it's a constant thought when I'm doing my own pleasure fishing. It's it's the power of, like, what you and I quite often call the drag method, I think, in terms mm. of a slow-moving bait, like adding in the 
adding in the urgency to the fish, right, is that this is moving away from me. I may be a bit suspect as to what it is, but if I don't go for it now, it's gone. Whereas when you're fishing under the rod tip, uh, any fish in the world's got way too long to study that thing. There's no urgency for it to go to it if it thinks it's a bit suspect. And I think, you know, that cropped up many times during the weekend where because you're fishing shoulder to shoulder at some time, especially in the Falmouth event, you just quite often, more often than not, you don't have the luxury of being able to fish that slow retrieval drag method and, and what comes with it. I couldn't agree more with what you've just said. What I also found was um, maybe just as important as that moving bait thing, because all these things combine together, is that I think you, inadvertently, you might have found a little stretch there that hadn't really been heavily fished already, so I hadn't seen a tonne of a Somme or Gulp or anything for that matter, really, um, because everyone was really focused on the outside wall because there was stuff going on out there, you know, there was bait and it was it was all exciting. Um, so once we got dialed in, or once I got dialed in, really, on that inside edge, it it became very enjoyable very quickly. You know, there was like, oh, there's stuff here, there's stuff going on here, and you rightly called it, and you said, oh, you know, I think there's I think there's scorpos on this edge, I think we can get those. Um, so that was it. I mean, it, you know. As soon as you mentioned Scorpio, I was like, well, that's it. Let's get that done straight away. Because, again, there have been years down in the past where we've gone 48 hours and not caught a Scorpio between us, right? That That isn't a particularly unusual. So um, so once I got focused in on that and we had a little bit of elbow room there, a little bit of room for manoeuvre, it became really enjoyable really quick. I think I winkled out a Tom Pot pretty fast really tight in under the wall um and then completely jammed straight after that a leopard a leopard spot goby <laughs> that was the that was the moment that was the moment that i kind of thought oh yeah okay like so, maybe we're destined for greater things here than i was thinking that that was that was huge because in this format the leopard is the only other goby that counts Every, all other gobies count as one a leopard is separate and um, for those that don't know, is that's because it's the e most easiest, really identifiable goby from a picture rather than, you know, um, a black, a rock, a sand, a painted and all that kind of stuff, which which pictures can tell for particularly particularly if they're taken at night. So once I've got the very lucky leopard and I can count them on one hand the amount I've had over the years, so they're always well received, um, very quickly I'm, I'm on from four and I'm on six, we're not ones to go around asking other people what they got, right? That's something we don't do. People might offer it to us. How are you getting on? And you might go, oh, well, pretty good or not too bad, but without giving too much away. I could, my ears were pricking and I could listen to people going, oh, I'm still stuck on three. I'm on four. I'm struggling on five. So once I hit six and that was my target going in on our drive through Mevagesi there, through the narrow lanes with Chris trying not to destroy his, his motor car was what what would you take right now and i said i'll take six straight away give me six and i'll take that so to get that leopard done and all of a sudden you feel the weight of the world lift fall off your shoulders you're like ah, oh, i've hit the target anything else now is a bonus i've got an hour left or whatever it might have been and then then you can start getting funky right and then you can start enjoying what you're doing okay well 
Well, this is this is where it gets interesting because obviously I'm aware what happened next and what happened next may be relating to you saying that the world had lifted off your shoulders, as you put it. You started to add a bit of genius in. So uh, tell everyone what you what you did, what you did next, because I think it's it's pretty amazing what you decided to throw at this point. In the so I wanted to do away with the flavoured baits. That was straight away. I was like, I don't think there's anything else here that's going to offer me an extra species on flavoureds that I can't fish more specifically for on plastic, right? That's the first thing. I'm also very aware that even though there are a lot of Scorpios and uh, Scorpios, Scorpos and, and bits and pieces there, that I didn't really want to fish too big for those. I wanted to give myself every opportunity of hooking everything that might be underneath me. So... Um, ordinarily, if if someone tied my hands behind my back and said, look, there's a Scorpo within 20 yards of you, go and catch it, not in a competition format, I'd probably fish the Reigns AX Crawl. I would probably do that. And even if I couldn't hook them, I'd get some plucks and I'd know that I had something around me. What I didn't want to do in that format was get plucks on it but not hook them. I wanted it, I wanted it to be a one-shot yeah. kill. I didn't want to mess around. So what I brought with me was a was a law that I haven't used for donkey's years and it's the little tiny reins tubes and very cool and but rather than just nick that through the end on a kind of a traditional tube fashion it's on the little decoy heads you can you can thread them over the top of the head so that the head of the tube is becomes the jig head You, you you pull your 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 eye out of it so you can tie onto it and then so your whole law, uh, jig head and law, the tail, if you like, is all one law. I'm not wasting any. There's no there's no fat on that. The front is a law and the back is a law. And that's, <laughs> and that's I, not... I just love I love this bit so much because this is like I don't know what it's called in a computer game. Like it's long passed me by. But you're in you're in rampage mode at this point. You're like <laughs> you've like power like the leopard the leopards come in. You you've powered up and you've like right drop Mike, I'm going left field and then you've got the Kahuna's to go straight in, not only with a soft and unflavored soft plastic but you've gone right in right in the defense, fishing well, you... a really quite obscure, uh, very very cool lure. Like I was just like oh my god, I was already suffering in the event and then. <laughs> When Dan gets this far ahead of me, like, oh, my God, I'm in trouble. I'm destroyed. I'm just lying on the floor wounded at this point. And do you know what the biggest problem of all that is? Is that I'm I'm, I'm, I'm using that law and I'm working that edge and I'm getting regular hits and plucks on that straight instantly. And you're probably, I don't know, you're the other side of that boat that was docked up. Let's say you were 30 feet away from me and I'm trying to gather your attention, right? I'm trying to that kind of come back, come back. You, come you back. wouldn't have got through because I was thinking about all manner of ways of killing myself. Like you wouldn't have got the message. <laughs> yeah. You were waiting for that foy ferry to yeah. come up and just whisk you away, right? So I'm trying to get. I'm I'm trying to grab your attention. Chris is next to me, and I'm saying to him, "Make the switch." I said, "Switch now," like because whether it was a state of tide thing, the tide was ebbing away at that stage. I think. Was it ebbing or was it flooding? This is the point. It's all disappeared. Either way, it felt like there was 
there was it was a good time like all of a sudden everything had become a little bit more active so that law wasn't picked out of the bag because i've caught a million fish on it it wasn't it was because it was small and compact i could fish a small hook on it and it gave me every opportunity to effectively just get that scorpo done and it's got that it's got the tail on it it's got everything that i needed it could be a small it was a mental color i mean yeah. it's probably down to what limited colors you've got in that lure but yeah i mean again huge kahunas for for dropping a clear chartreuse plastic down yeah. in crystal clear water i was just like oh my god yeah well but again I'm, I'm you're always right. pleased when you're rampaging it's always yeah. cool you can only have so you can't take one color of everything can you so all i took with me i had that green chartreuse and i had a clear completely clear transparent one with me i didn't feel the water quality was good enough inside there that i could get away with excuse me that's a bit of windy pops there with get away with completely clear so um so i switched that and i was working the edge but i was working it very purposely i wasn't just dragging slow movement i was flicking it away and very short sharp jumps across but as as, as tight as i could make it to read anything that's on that edge that might have seen some asome, it might have seen something along the, that it's ignored. I wanted to make something unignorable. It had to pay attention to it. And because that little lure could be, like I say, a shrimp pattern, it could be a little bait fish pattern, it could be all kinds of different things. I felt that that gave me a chance. And again, I got lucky within four or five passes with a couple of plucks along the way, Scorpo done pretty quick. And and you know as well as I do, as soon as you get two turns up on that fish, you know it's a scorpion yeah. straight away. It's like here we go. And I called Chris. I said I've got a scorpion on here. Like move back ten yards because I'm going to swing it. I'm going to bass pro it. <laughs> <laughs> and then so I swung that one in over the moon. Yeah, really happy with that. And then I was kind of I needed a pollock after that, but I was having too much fun. So I mean I kept using that lure. I was winkling out tom pots. Oh, I was I was just I getting still involved. Not it. Done it, it just How became many good times fun. Have you done a tom pot on plastic? It's insane. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, but there's yeah. some there's some tiny tiny detail that you do that unlocks that door to the tom pots and probably increases your chances on scorpions. I'm all, always saying how far ahead you are it, on that, but it's. It's it's mind boggling to see it again and again. I love that shit. I love it lots. Well, it's funny, isn't it? And then once you find pick something out in your bag that all of a sudden is working and you're getting touches and hits on it. After I got the scorpo done and then had some more fun with some tompots, you know, it's like, well, what do I do now? Well, I just I flicked one beyond the back of that boat, same law, popped it on the bottom, and then caught my pollock straight away. So it was because at that point I had nothing to lose really it was just it, it, anything else now was a bonus and then got that done and that was me that was my eight that was that was I was maxed out at that point do you know what I mean so you added though didn't you yeah, I but mean you, you didn't blank it was on terrible that I, I um you know we ended that session I think we just decided it was four hours or so you came in at eight mm. we laid to find out found out that you were uh well, you were joint first I think there was three of you on eight which was mm. fabulous fishing. But, of course, you've got your leopard in your back pocket. And actually, it's not a spoiler alert. Like, you know, later on at the end of the event, it turns out that, you know, because of that combo, eight species and a leopard, you've you've won uh, you've won that 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 session and, and you've got a 
a pocket of sweet cashola. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was epic fishing. I ended on five. I couldn't help but feel that I'd already screwed it. And I think, you know, this isn't the first time that many of us have felt this, that it's part of this long, long format species hunt is just the point that you, you know, like we're four hours into a 48 hour marathon and you're all you're already your mind's already getting gloomy and you think you've already <laughs> screwed it it's it's an insane pastime but i'll be honest with you it's part of the reason that i love it yeah so so session 2 comes around and although although you know we've already highlighted that we kind of got to the species hunt decision late so we've done zero planning and very little thought other than than what we did in the car on the, on the trip down the A three hundred three there. Mm. Uh, this one, uh, lure only, so non flavors are out. No asome, no gulp. Uh, it's I think ninety minutes at Meva at dusk. A little bit of light left, but but mainly into dark. Yep. Uh, this has got our name all over it. I mean, I I would say <laughs> I don't know why I'm setting myself for the massive fall that I know is coming, but. Um, I've done more of this kind of fishing this year than perhaps anything else due to many reasons, but I've really, really yep. enjoyed getting into it again. Um, night game, jig head, uh, solid tip rods, light line, low action, soft plastics, you know, two inches and under. I've really been getting a buzz on for it through the summer. Uh, and like I say, this event, this event had my name all over it and uh it was a bit of you as well i think but again uh unlike <laughs> unlike the many sessions that i've had this year in that kind of format it's it, it might as well be a different sport because you're sharing that venue and its various hot spots with however many other anglers and that's it you've got to really adapt to the position you find well i think other i know actually i think some anglers do it one way and some anglers do it another way i think again we're linking into where we're going with falmouth um but i think some anglers force force the area uh whether they're way more witty and charming mm. than me most likely they seem to winkle the best mm. positions all the time or they're perfectly happy sort of edging their way into that position that's not me i'm not I'm not fighting a teenager for a goby. <laughs> so um we find ourselves no, in uh, no. in a position and then we try and force the issue by forcing the fishing to to fit the circumstance we're in. I think I think that's the position we put ourselves in and that's not a moan that's just what it's acceptable to me within the format of a comp uh, so we find ourselves well actually we find ourselves in the first place we get to outer wall at Meva, and i think we kind of got sold a bit of a dummy in retrospect i've been thinking about this last couple of days actually because the light's fading uh we look down and just about through my uh polaroids as the gloom sets in there's a ton of pollock uh it's almost like they're shoaling up just as the light fades and that kind of sold us the mark, right? So you can see him. Okay, here we go. This is where we're going to go. Uh, we set yep. up. 
Uh, I'm going to talk away about how I approached it. Uh, went for one thing, uh, dropped a fish, switched to something else, dropped a fish, switched again to try and get the hookup rate, dropped a fish. Um, and that was getting on my mind a little bit. And then 4D turns up with the camera and I've lost another 10 minutes. I think, I think you alluded to the stress of, of every time 4D turns up. It's just like, uh, okay, yeah. yes, I'll speak to camera. I don't think that's going to make, uh, I doubt that will make um, the program because it's a little bit stressful. I, I don't mind if it does, but it's the comedy. Of well, the, the, I hope of it does because it, it perfectly... No, it 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 shows it because forty forty and Ben come up and shoved clipped a microphone on me and shoved it. You know, he said, "Oh, Dan, do you mind just giving me two minutes?" I said, "Yeah, go on." And of course, he's got the camera on me, and I couldn't. I, I had a pollock very early on, and I, at that point, I couldn't buy a fish. I just couldn't. I couldn't get it, and so we. And he, he's talking through, and he's we're doing a little bit to camera and stuff like that, and that's all fine. He wraps that up before he, you know, as always, and anyone's with, with Andy Ford, I'm, I'm I'm rambling a little bit here. He's always respectful. He's always polite. He never kind of forces the issue, but he did say he said, "Do you think I'll be able to go and speak to Adam Kirby?" I went, "Yeah, go on." <laughs> 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 like just just shuffled him up at, at ten yards out of the way, but I one thing I've learned over the years is that particularly as that as the dark sets in and you see a lot of these pollock and they come right up in the yes. water right almost on the surface occasionally they're never as easy to catch as they should be bearing in mind they're actively feeding yeah. now I've never really cracked that code and the three fish I had in all that session will will prove that. Those, they were moving up and down the wall. There's no question about that. They weren't static. I would have fancied my chances more if I'd been on the end where I had a little bit of flow or I had something to aim for, like a crease or something I could have aimed for that I could have worked the left and right-hand side of it. Equally, there was a million headlamps yeah. shining in the water and those pollock don't respond well to that in any way whatsoever. So I was switching. I was At one point, I had a, a semi or a slow sink caro rig on that I was casting into the dark on purpose to get it away from the headlights, and I did winkle one out that way. But what should have been... I'm telling you now, man, if if I could have winkled out, and it's entirely feasible, a dozen small pollock there, then I might be sat here now with a trophy beyond me. Oh, that's, yeah. that's the cut and the thrust of it. Yeah, that's it, yeah. isn't it? And I'm sure every angler has got a similar story of its ifs and buts. Of but, course, yeah. But you're right, we should have done better than that one. I mean, I'll go a little bit further. Like, I suppose I'm a little tiny bit further than you on that journey, other than many times uh, this year I found myself killing time effectively on Millennium Pier in Gospel, and that's where I'm kind of, been reacquainting myself with night game the one thing i would say is that pollock game that you said where they come up in the water they nearly always to me at least orientate themselves in parallel to the structure so the structure in this case is the key and here lies the problem yet again is i what i what i know i want to do is cast along the pier and very slowly straight retrieve, linear retrieve that back just under the surface. And I know I would have caught it, but I can't 
because in the area that I would normally cast, there's two other anglers. So I'm forced to either short cast and try and force it with a slow retrieve coming up through the water, which I was getting bites, but I wasn't hooking up. This is the thing. And I think maybe in retrospect, I'm interested to hear what you, what you say, but I think having watched you towards the end is that your fish came by actually casting over the weed that we had in front of us and you were picking them up like they were orientating above the weed maybe. Um, I think maybe that's that's the only difference in your three versus, well, my no pollock. I later had a, a sand smelt, but... Um, yeah, I, I have a feeling that I was trying to force what I... Yeah, again, we've said it already, haven't we? I was trying to force what I know. And you, uh, you were just doing what you had to do. Yeah, well, there's a good pattern coming emerging from this conversation, isn't there? I was trying to force my fishing into what I already knew. And you were fishing successfully for what was in front of you, which was definitely the right... Uh, <laughs> the right approach despite how you feel your of your own performance yeah well one of the most common questions we asked of each other over the weekend particularly fishing at Mever, was which way's the flow which way's the flow we just couldn't because that harbour wall that water runs up and it runs back and it was you know couldn't quite figure that out at any moment which seems such a bizarre thing to say because you yeah. you it can see the water tides. yeah which way's the flow going and we were getting a little bit of both we were getting some coming off the headland on the right and we were getting some coming out of the harbour on the left and we were getting this weird flow which is why I ended up switching over to Caro um and I would have had I don't know maybe 18 inches between my slow sinking caraway and a, and a tiny like half gram jig head on there. So it's proper like Aggie style really. And the idea was that if I cast that out, the tide would then right that rig automatically in the right direction. I'm not, I might be slow retrieving the weight back to me, but the, it's like a running ledger fishing out in the boat or, you know, bait fishing is that it would just automatically, automatically right itself yeah. and get it in the right position. But, but it more often I was getting lots of taps and it wasn't until I'd get tight into the wall, they were hitting the carrow weight. Cause of course they were, that's what Pollock do. They'll hit anything except for where the, where the point is. It's normally a drop shot. Right? And that was so it. At least you mix and it's normally a, a drop shot. Then. <laughs> so that's it. So, so that, that, that session was was very interesting, and I can imagine some people might listen to this who have caught a thousand tiny pollock in their life, and thinking, "Why are we? Why have you just spent twelve minutes talking about how you were struggling to catch tiny pollock?" Two reasons: the first one, because that's what CLF will do to you, because you get absorbed by these things. By you know, this should be easy, but now I'm struggling on something that 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 should be so straightforward. And secondly is that if you're hemmed in with anglers either side of you in some kind of competition format and forgetting all the social aspect and all that kind of stuff that comes with supposedly all of us meeting together, I don't care who you are, I want to beat the fella on me left and I want to beat the fella on me right. That's that's the game. Is that how can I maximise this little... If I could draw a straight line, you know, maybe four foot either side of me going out to infinity to the horizon... How can I maximise that little channel of water that I've kind of got exclusivity over? Yeah. How can I do something with that? And that's all that was. And it was it was why 
if I'm doing any of these things, there's always a slow sinking carrow weight in the bag. More often than not, it never gets used. But I'm not sure, until we find out the actual results, I'm not sure how the best angler got on on that. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Well, there were six. I do know that. So the winner had six. You had three, I believe. I'm amazed that someone didn't rinse one. it. I'm amazed. Yeah. No scad, yeah, I mean, though. Double figures was definitely possible. I'm not aware of it. We didn't any. see any scad. There were a few people that were keeping retro, and mm. maybe there were a few gobies swinkled out on plastic or something. Yeah, that's It'd true. It'd be interesting yeah. to see what happened. That might have been so actually I think mis- maybe at this stage, sorry, I was just going to say, maybe at this stage we should kind of uh, sit back. Mm. You're on eight species at this point. You're probably kicking yourself on three Pollock, but. Only at that stage mm. we don't know that someone might have had twenty, right? It was fully possible. Mm. Um but the reality is is that we all feel that you're still in it at this stage, that you're doing mm. well. So, you know, like we've done a lot of the hard work, you're doing well. You've you've joined we know at this stage you've joined you're joint first in the first session. What do three competitive anglers do at this stage with an evening of fishing ahead of them? Well, of course, we go to Domino's and we have an early night. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that is, um, yeah, look, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Because knowing what we knew from we went to Foy the next night and it was it was nasty. You know, it wasn't pleasant in any fashion whatsoever. I have to say though, let's be realistic about it. You know, we we we've been on the road since six in the morning. Um, driven all across, you know, through Hampshire, Wiltshire, Dorset, Devon, down into Cornwall, and for the sanity of our good friend Chris, who was ferrying us around and doing a lot of the heavy lifting. I just felt at the time, do you know what? Let's 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 counter this by saying we actually had to True. find out where at we were staying point, and, we and, and if we could actually sleep, get into the place. No. So so we were like, well, we need to find out where we're going to stay. We need to make sure we can actually get into the place as it's sometimes with like these Airbnb kind of affairs. And um, what we didn't want to do is rock up at two in the morning only to find the key doesn't work and then we're, we're sat sleeping in a car. So that's what we did. We ate some dominoes, we watched some junk on the telly and we got ourselves in bed, right, with a view to we'll get up and we'll hit first light and we'll do our old favourite in the wind of Charlestown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sea town, come on. Oh, man. We've done that so many... I've only done that once where it's been mirror calm and I can see the weaver. Like, we can sight fish to him. It's been so clear. The past yeah. few times I've been there, it's been blowing hard. And it's not a pleasant place. There's so much more to aim for on the outer wall fishing out there. There's stuff there, but you can't fish into it on a headwind. It's just not feasible there, you know. And I don't know if you remember, there was a guy, an old guy, bait fishing on there. Did you see yeah. him bait fishing in the yeah, wind? The and I was what any minute. I was kept watching him and thought he'll catch a bass in a minute. Any second now, we're going to see him winching a bass, and he soon gave up. Right, so. That was a drag, that session, wasn't it? I mean, we wink, we got what we needed, but that was a drag, and you smashed it with a tub, but that was a drag. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel I feel like I feel like we should explain that there weren't really many options because we had another deadline. We needed to be in Falmouth, which I think was an hour away at That's 12. Right. 
yep. we stayed local around St. Austo area. So so Charlestown made sense, but I agree there is a it's too many times now. It's a bit of a groundhog day for me of walking down that hill towards Charlestown Harbour and seeing <laughs> seeing the body language of uh of ten demoralized LRF anglers huddled around the flounder spot because no one's catching yep. anything. And that hit me again this time. I, I don't even bother on those flounder anymore. In fact, I don't think I've ever I've caught flounder on the inner harbour, but not in a legitimate sense. I'm normally being shouted at. Uh and I've been I've been kicked off that area enough now that I can't really go back in there because there'll be a warrant for my arrest. So I, I've just, <laughs> yeah, I've just, I've just written yeah. off the flounder. I was only really going for the, um, for the, for the lesser weaver. I was only really going for you to get your lesser weaver. So I, I took the job on that. Yep. I would, I would run around the other side of the harbour and try and find a, try and locate a, a mass of uh, a mass of them that, that that we could all drop on i i failed in that i just got cold and windswept and then so i'm in the oh god i'm in the north side of the harbor i come round to join you i come round to join you in the south side of the harbor the outer arm and uh it seems to make sense to me to to fish in the, the tides ebbing. It's a big tide. It seems to make sense to me to fish in the in the harbour mouth, knowing that the water's dumping out the narrow opening to the harbour. The bait will some of the bait will get sucked out. That's classic predator territory. I think the only thing that blew my mind was it was to paint the picture. It was so windy even on a big tide ebbing the the water was literally i was watching submerged items that were were unaffected by wind flowing in the wrong direction <laughs> flowing in the wrong direction against the way they should have been going so yeah it was tough man like like where there should have been fish i don't think there were because the wind was causing a weird a weird tow uh and and it, Jim, it's it's one of the first mm. times that I took from what we've learned from our freshwater fishing, where there isn't tide, and we're looking for what's creating the tide. Well, often it's the wind. It was one of the few occasions where I was actually looking at it and thinking it's the same as when we're on a reservoir. Is that the wind is winning here? The tide today is actually the wind, but it mm. didn't help because it was going in the wrong direction. Thankfully. Uh, I'll call it a stroke of luck, uh, is that I was jigging my metal up and down in, in the, almost as if there was a bar over the entrance and and something stuck. And it was a fantastically uh, beautiful little tub gurnard. And um, yeah, I don't know if there's been too many times we've secured a tub in the CLF. Um, so that was that was pleasant, although, you know, part of me wished that you'd had it. Um, and then it probably took, what, the rest of the morning... For us to to locate a lesser weaver and then then we yeah. did what 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 white metal were you on there can you remember no, i was on a, th on a 3g which is to a lot okay. of people crazy in that level of wind but what i've realized is is you know if you manage your line properly and you play with the right angle so you can fish it into the wind and you can fish it downwind mm -hmm. and you've probably got five degrees uh variance on that and as long as you stick to those rules, you could still fish something insanely light. And the reason that yeah. I choose to fish insanely light rather than to, to fix the wind problem with a heavier jig mm. is that still it's more 
it's more lifelike the full rates are more natural and i guess i've just i feel that i've learned over time that it's still beneficial to fish that light well i i i did fish with a tiny metal at one point and the boa line was just killing me i, I couldn't i couldn't mend it and it wasn't until the until the ebb tide kind of won over the wind as you say and then the water seemed to be flowing in the right direction that i just found in a little corner there that i could i could flick it up and i could work a bait stroke you know whatever it was on a somay or ikagiraka or something there and it, and i was getting it working it felt nice and then very quickly then almost you're getting those very faint little plucks which would only be weaver I guess there's sand gobies in there as well, but from you know historical evidence, it would only be weaver. And I think yourself and Chris had, had gone wandering. There are plenty of other anglers there that everyone was struggling. Really, I mean, you know, no one was rinsing it. So once I'd found that little line that was working for me, I just kept working it and working it and working it. Dropped one, dropped one. When I say dropped one, halfway up, they, you know. It's very distinctive when when you get one of those little weavers on. You you kind of know what it is, and eventually I swung one in, which was huge relief because I kept thinking yeah. to myself, "Well, when else are we going to be able to target sand this weekend?" Um, and again, much like before, it's amazing. Anyone fishing any comp as this, you know, get that first one under your belt, and then all of a sudden luck falls in your lap. So you know, I've got that weaver done, play over the moon with that. If we'd have left at that point, I would have gone, well, that's my target achieved. So I just launched a bait into the wind as far as it would go, out of harbour, just thought, well, let's just see where it'll go. And then a mackerel hit it on the drop. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about the mackerel. <laughs> yeah, and then I swung that one in, and it was so jammy. It was completely, you know, I didn't have a net with me. How I didn't did have you anything. swing that in? That in I, itself I just is went. insane. Yeah, it, it, on like a size, I thought it would have been 14 or something. I just wound... You must be on four pound I, line at this point. Yeah, four pound leader. Wow. Yeah, uh, and and I, as soon, I'll, I'll be honest. I thought it was a little bass, and that would have made me even more pleased. So I'm kind of I'm cranking it. I'm cranking, 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 cranking. What have we, what have we got? What we've got. As soon as I see it's a mackerel, it's like all right. And then all of a sudden, the realization of, oh man, how am I going to swing it? Because it wasn't one of those little baby ones. Well, the ones you want. It was a proper mackerel. It was a proper one. So yeah, I just I wound. I tried the first time and then realised that my drag was set way too light and I'm winding, but I'm not actually gaining any line on it. <laughs> it. So I just I wound the drag down as far as it would go and, and just pointed the rod tip at it and just swung him in, old school style. And then that was it then. I, 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 I don't know if I literally packed my bag up at that point, but I was like, I'm done. There's nothing else for me I, here. I don't, and, I don't and, know if it was at that moment, but I remember at some point uh, in the event it would have been either the first day or early on the second day. You you said to me, you said the words, I seem to be on a on a run of luck here, or, or words to those effects. Mm. Yeah, to my earlier point, it, it definitely it definitely felt like you'd had a power up mushroom and you were a Super Mario for a little while. It was it was pretty cool to watch. That was yeah, there there was, you know, I mean look it, it, it's anything like that, isn't it? You've got to have a bait in the water. That's that's your element of skill, is is, is you've got something moving. But 
just to have pass it in front of its nose because there didn't seem to be a shoal of mackerel there. It was just a rogue one. It was there, and I managed to completely randomly drop in front of its nose. And yep. but look, you know that's competitions, right? And you'll take that. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to put it back in the and say, well, no, gentlemen's rules, I wasn't fishing for it. No, I'm taking it, and I'm and I'm picturing it, and I'm counting that one as a win. We plan for it, don't we? In our, you know, ordinarily, having longer to plan for a species event, we plan for bonuses. We know we know we're going to get some bonuses along the way. So, yeah, you've got to just take them, right? And then, so you, you got your weaver done, didn't you, on metal yep. eventually, is that right? Yeah, I got the weaver done on metal, and I think we were all pleased to... To get the hell out of there. Yeah, to get in that car and, and make the relative, you know, the short but long drive because everywhere in Cornwall is not far away, but it takes ages to get there. We made the drive around to Falmouth, and you would have been thinking the same. We're driving around, and I'm thinking, am I going to enjoy this or am I not going to enjoy it? And as soon as we pulled around there, there were big tides, and there was no water there, right? Yeah. I found it hard to believe that it could be worse than it was last year. Mm. I had a particular... So last year, I had a particularly bad draw in that I I drew... I forget which letter it was now, but uh, it was the Mm. far right zone. Uh, Is it a museum that it's behind? I can't remember. It's by that that yeah, and it's the smallest. I think the smallest zone. Um, And last year we got there just about low tide, and you know, there's a. I'm now realizing there's a pattern emerging. I wasn't with it. I kind of just rocked up to survey the scene, and um, you know, by the time I'd worked out what was going on, the area that I had left was high and dry. I don't think I legitimately started fishing for an hour of the competition because I didn't really have any water to go at. Um, so yeah, I I, fi- I find it I found it hard to believe that that this year uh, there was even less water because I think it was a slightly bigger tide. Uh, but despite the fact that I think I drew, I felt the best the middle peg, the L shaped key. I think I had the best uh, the best zone first. There was still no water, uh, but thankfully this time, um, myself and another angler, we lucked out and got on a, a good spot first and were straight into fish, including some hard won, hard won, fairly rare this event, gold simi. So, so yeah, uh, it was tough, right? I mm. mean, tell me about your experience on the first mark because you must have had even less water. It was, it was so we, Chris. Chris and I were drawn in the same group. Um, we had we had uh, and Will Pender was in our group, and forgive me, there were other guys as well whose names which escaped me at the moment. So as we're walking around, I said to Chris, I knew straight away. I said, "There'll be no water here, right?" And the bit that I wanted to fish is effectively going to be out of the water, right? So it changes. We need to get on the end as quick as we can. So we get on the end. And there's Chris to the left of me, I'm here, and immediately on my right is Will. Now, ordinarily, you would go, that'd be nice. I'll stand next to Will from watching for an hour, because he's a legend. It was kind of the worst way around it, because when you're next to Will, effectively competing against him, and he's three or four, four fish up on you within 25 minutes, 
And you're like, oh, okay. I was watching in mind with a keen eye, I'll be honest, and, and there was stuff there was like, ah, that makes sense, right? I'm not going to give his stuff away because that's not for me to do that, right? But he does some stuff and it's clever. Um, I winkled out a couple of cork wings and bits and pieces and then Ben, the governor, Ben Phil turn up and Andy Ford, um, they all rock up and drops in. Oh, and by the way, lads, because there's no water here, we're going to have a, a rotation, right? So you've got where you want to be, only to be told that now we're going to move you. And you've got to move around four paces. So we move around four paces. Um, I'm not sure I caught anything the rest of that yeah, session. That's similar, right? Um, and that's, that's the way it is, right? And that's no one's fault. That's just the way it is. Because, you know, when you work your way around, you, you've gone from fishing in the deep bit. And when I say deep bit, I'm talking there might have been a foot of water to go back round and you're fishing in six inches. Now, that said, the only thing I will give away about Will to the great British public is that he has no problem fishing in really shallow water in between rocks because there are fish in there and he will catch them. So that was interesting watching that happening. But um, It's super interesting, I, isn't I, it, that mark specifically you're on about? because you're looking down at it and you can kind of survey exactly what's happening as the tide's coming in. It's super, yeah. super interesting just how quick those mini species come up with the tide. I mean, you alluded it to oh, it there. They're in incredible. an inch of water sometimes, right? Yeah, 100%, 100%. And there's stuff there. I know there's clingfish there. There's there's corkwings, gold sinnies, balans, gobies. There's plenty there to go. And I think someone had white in there last year on that mark. Um, there's plenty there to aim for. Not very big space, but there is plenty there to go for. Um, on our left, there were dogs swimming, there were people kayaking, there were... It's a busy, bustling place. And, um, you know, very... I wasn't feeling it at that point. I'd winkled out a few, a couple of fish, two or three. It wasn't a lot. Um, I knew I wasn't anywhere near Will at that point because he was destroying it but I knew that I was no worse really than anybody else. So I thought, well, I'm on a par here. I'm, 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 I'm doing something, but albeit it is difficult. Um, the tide didn't come up quick enough for that mark to be really any more productive than what it had already been. Um, and of course we've been rotated to try and give everyone a fair shot, which is, which is fair enough. I'm not going to disagree with that. You know, everyone's paid their money and, you know, you didn't really want to get in that situation where people are kind of elbowing or crowbarring their way into someone else's, you know, let them have it. You know what I mean? It was fine. Um, but that session finished and it was um, it was difficult. And I thought at that point, oh, man, you've got to do something now because you're... I was having Ben and I was having Andy Ford in my ear during that session saying, you know you're in the league, right? You know you're winning. And I was saying, I can't see how I can be winning. I don't understand how the, you know, the maths of it, but if that's what you say. So that was ringing in the back of my ear and thinking, well, come on, man, you need to you need to up this a little bit here and, and make something happen. Um, I feel I've got a message from you giving me a little bit of intel on where you'd been and I'd kind of try to share where I'd been and, you know, let it go. Yeah. But, of course, then I was on a completely different section after that that neither of us have fished already. So... Um, that's that. 
before I forget, because it is pertinent, Falmouth is a huge place. But much like where I fish here, and you're more than familiar with it down here, lots of water, lots of feature, very little fishing room. And it's a shame. Do you, what you mean in terms of rules and regulations, I'm guessing? Where you can get to, where you can actually drop a line in. Loads oh, okay, of water, yeah. loads of structure, loads of feature, very so limited Smith, access. We've got the, the naval access, the dockyard, etc. Yeah. And you know there's a ton of fish in there, but there's oh. just no way to get to them, right? There's no way to get to similar it. And Falmouth is very similar. Commercial keys, etc. Yachties, yeah. as always. Of course. Yeah. Of course. I mean, Falmouth is, is much better in terms of, you know, food access and, and pubs and stuff. Do you know what I mean? You know, but... Uh, but yeah, we we moved. I mean, me and Chris. Chris was in my ear going, "I didn't enjoy any of that. I see what you were saying last year, etc." Et <laughs> it was it was um, really funny to see Chris living last year for us. It was just like I was I was thinking to myself, if we could manage to get him to come along again, should there be another one, then I'm sure he yeah. would be better about it the second time in the same way that we were. Yeah, it does fry your brain a little bit. Of course it does, yeah. But we moved on to the next mark, and I remember from last year the next mark actually fished really well. I don't know what it's called. I, I should remember the names of these. Are things. you up now? You're Very, now up it, at the far end, right? Nearer the pier. Yeah. Oh well, I'm super on interesting. It's super interest. I'm not super interesting. I'm super interested mm. to hear uh, how this went for you because I remember. Where am I on the second round? On the second round, I'm now where you were on the first round, which kind of juts That's out right. a little bit. And I I remember at some point during that session, looking along in your direction, you're on the furthest, and seeing just an insane view that will stay with me. Is it extreme low water on a big tide? There's like, what, 10 LRFers literally on a on a bit mm. of structure high and dry that must have only been i don't know what eight ten foot long and there's ten of you on there i mean we could see it from like half a mile away it looked ridiculous so so tell me how it on was, earth you approach that without coming to fisty cuffs with everyone around you we, we first got down there we got it was it was still low water and and so you've got what would be at high water submerged old concrete block stroke jetty caked in weed it's all cracked and broken you know it's been there for a thousand years it looks like a little out i think it's a little outfall is sense. what it is yeah. it's got a post on it so it is an outfall and by luck because we hadn't ran out we certainly weren't runners there were runners in our group but we weren't runners chris and i ended up right on the end in the prime spot what we consider to be the prime spot. We're right on the end, fishing into the deepest bit of it. And we're fishing away. And and uh, we had Luke Fox, um, legend Luke Fox as our uh, marshal on that one. And um, away we go. And straight away, mini cork wings, little gobies and stuff, right? It feels good. Instantly, it feels good. But not only are we catching, everyone's catching around us. It just felt good. It was the tides just flooding up nicely. It all felt good. We're on a raised bit at the end, and then every time I go back to Luke to get a fish verified, I'm walking back and I'm thinking that tide's going to breach that lower bit in a minute, and I'm going to get wet. And I had trainers <laughs> on; I didn't really want to get wet, so um, I didn't have boots on or anything like that. And I said to Chris, "I'm going to have to bail on this. I can't stand. I can't. 
I'm not getting ankle deep in water. When bearing in mind we still had another two sessions of the day left, I'm not going to get wet feet at this point. So I had to move back, and so I got right out of everyone's way. So I've I started off at the furthest point, and I've now come back to almost the nearest point because I I didn't want to barge in on anyone else. They were happy where they were, and that's fine. So I've come back in the nearest point, and it's very difficult to kind of draw a picture in people's minds eye of this. But you've you've got an edge, a very defined edge that's the tide is just creeping up and caked in weed and it runs down. But what you can see is along that edge there are gaps, there are cracks in it all the way along. So I've winkled myself down the back and again it just fell in my lap. I didn't plan it this way, it fell in my lap that I ended up really close to Luke and right on fish. All gobies, mind, and yeah. with the occasional cork wing. So I could dangle my rod tip in, in this little little crack, instant goby. There's none of this, oh, uh, no, 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 you drop it in, ding, 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 bang, goby. Unhook it, turn around, Luke straight there. Yeah, Luke, what's that one? Oh, it's 115 centimetres, happy days, and go back. Winkled out a couple of Tom Pots out of there as well, and they're always on a length base, they're always helpful. And I stuck your factory fish, you know. Yeah, you? it's just you're not even really thinking about it. I don't think I, I didn't. Yeah. It, it, the reason I say it fell in my lap, you get to that point where I'm not even have to change laws or anything. It's just staying there. I'm just in and out, in and out, in and out, and winkled a few out there until again, everyone got so condensed up. I had Will on one side of me, I had another guy to the right of me. It got so condensed up. I said to Chris. I'm bailing on this. I'm going to go up to the top and fish down the wall. It took me about 10, 15 minutes to get my eye in there because before I would have had the rod tip almost touching the water. I mean, I, there was no slack there. And then all of a sudden, I've gone up 15 foot. And now I've got 15, 16, 18 foot bower line. Yeah. So it took me 10, 15 minutes. But once I found my eye on that, I was catching regularly up there as well. Ooh. So... And, and what was amazing is, just like you said before, how quickly them fish will switch. But as that tide just starts to breach that edge where that little weed curtain is, yes, it was fire. It was fire in there. Sweet. Those fish were on it, and they were feeding hard. And luckily, I had no idea. And I'm I'm terrible at these things. You'll know all of this the amount of times we fish. And you talk about how many you had, and I'll go, I don't know, because I'm not counting. I'm just ca I'm trying to catch. Is that. On, a, on the walk-off of that, it's all wrapped up, it's finished. On the walk-off of that, Will come over and said, you did me by one. Wow. I said, well, how many did you have then? He said, well, I had 12. He said, I had 12 and you had 13. He said, you did me by one. And I was like, but lengthwise, we don't, of course, he might have done me by 50 centimetres. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? I still don't know now. But the point being, he was like, you did me by one. You beat me by one. And, and I was like, well, I've kept up with Will. That's fine. I'll... I also need to keep up with Will on the next one. That's the key here. Do you know what I mean? But how did you find that second section then? Because so, that, that, that... Where was I second? It wasn't well, any better than what well, we had. Well, on it, that tough it? one that was explaining it, you know, first off there, uh, I, I did better than last year, I think. Maybe I didn't. Uh, but because they'd self-imposed that rotation that you talked about, which I think was a great idea because that was mainly my beef last year. No point being in a fishing competition if you haven't got any water. Um, yeah, at least I've got a chance. But 
but no, I didn't enjoy a moment of that. Well, no, that's a lie. I enjoyed catching up with Cornish Ben actually talking about. Um, of course, Cornish how, Ben. Yeah. Yeah, the you know, like he's got a, got a centre console down in Cornwall, so I enjoyed catching up with him about that and what's been going on in the trials mm. and tribulation of boat ownership. So yeah, I enjoyed that, but no, I didn't enjoy the fishing at all. I'll have to be honest. No. No, and that same mark, this is just a side note to the whole thing. I went back, I was there earlier in the year. I took my kids there fishing. Easy access, right, for children. It's a perfect little mark yeah. for that. It's easy peasy, railings, it's all there. Toilets nearby. I mean, you couldn't paint a more child-friendly mark. And when I was down there earlier in the year, that particular mark, it was hard, it was a drag, but all I would catch there were tiny balloons and tiny gold sinnies. And all the time we were fishing there, I never saw any gold sinnies or any balance, right? And this should be a better time of year than when I was there before. So that was purely water. There was yeah. just not enough water there to, to sustain the amount of a somay and gulp and stuff that that little Mark there was seeing. But So was it at that point we had a break, didn't we? We had a break and we sat down and we had some chips and a pint. And that was nice. Um before we plodded on to the final mark, which was actually my favourite going into it. That was the one I was looking forward to fishing with most because they get Montagues there, Blenny. So I was like, well, I might get lucky there and get a lifer along the way. And also, I should add, up to this point during the day, I hadn't added... Oh, sorry, apart from a, a, a just a... A goby. Mm. I haven't added anything yeah. to my weekend tally yet. All I'm doing is re repeat catching, uh, repeat catching. So I'd kind of got a bit. I'd confused myself a bit there because I was trying to get double bubble. I was trying to catch something for the the length and catching something for the weekend tally, and I'd ended up confusing my. I, I, I was really. I was not really doing either. I was kind of trying to do all things, <laughs> and I ended up not doing yeah. any. Um, I think that's part of the problem in these events mm. is if you try and do everything, you end up achieving nothing. That's exactly right. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I, where I really wanted a fish, someone beat me to it um, and then sat there. So sorry, for, you're on the middle section now, the L shape. We're on the middle section now by the, the pub. Bus. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So, and where I wanted to get to, which where I was last year, I, someone beat me to it. I couldn't get to it. And like I so said, I'm not about to muscle them out of the way. Um, only because I caught a lot of rats there last year on that section. Um, so I don't know. I just kind of lost me mojo pretty quick at that point. You know, I should have been buoyed. You know, I'd caught on the last section. We'd gone back. We'd had a drink. We'd had something to eat. We'd kind of relaxed a little bit. I was ready to go. And then within about 15, 20 minutes, like, my bottom lip went. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, I was like, I struggled to find, you know, think the tide had come right up by this point you know it's really high tide i just so, couldn't so make what, anything happen what I, actually happened then like what what triggered this mini mini meltdown was it because there was just nowhere that you felt that was free that was fishy or you were just suddenly I lost had space. for some reason or nope i i had space i had space i had room it was this was all me this wasn't anyone so this else was a doing i had room i was in a funk and I was I was working the edge of the wall tight on the wall, you know I'm re right on the edge of the wall. I'm working it really tight, and I'm getting the odd pluck. I'm getting the odd, but nothing. I'm not doing anything. It's it, it nothing. 
and I went and fished on the inner harbour. Oh, sorry, on the I'm still on the same platform, yeah, but I'm fishing yeah. on the inside. Because if now, you've anything like me, you're thinking, oh, have and those fish moved up with the tide? Am I fishing too far out now? Exactly. Because they've taken the opportunity for fresh feeding ground that was dry. Yeah. Exactly what I'm thinking. And I'll winkle something out there. I don't know what it was. Maybe a tompot or something. I'll winkle one out. Um, but nothing regular enough to make me think, oh, no, I've cracked something here. And I just kept wandering. I kept wandering and wandering because that's the biggest section and there was plenty of room. And in the back of my head, I thought, well, or maybe I'll just keep needing to explore in more room. I need to find something, yeah. you know, and I kept moving too much straight away. I came back from one of my little wanders. I've come back, speak to Chris. And at that point, Chris is like, no, I'm killing it. What's what I mean? He said, well, I've just had three Tom Pots. I've had three Shanny and they're proper big Shannies there as well. I thought, what are you doing? And he talked me through what he was doing. And I thought, well, that's kind of the same as what I'm doing. I mean, what's changed here? But he went over to fishing, basically, oh, yeah. an old-fashioned straw tail, right? Just nicking it down, nicking maybe five, eight, ten mil max off the head of it. Something but they it's something seen. it's worth remembering. It's me telling myself this. It's something they hadn't seen. And sometimes you just got to fish a little bit bigger. You've got to give them what they're after rather than trying to be too kind of airy-fairy about it and think, oh, no, we've got to be yeah. really finessing and all that. Sometimes they want something to eat and you've got to give them something to eat. And he had stumbled upon that or he'd worked it out, whatever. It was genius either way. And he started smashing it. I switched over to the same and managed to knock a few fish out. But by that point, the time was against me. I'd, I'd lost my lost my time. Um, there's a fella there. I'm going to say, I think it was David. But again, forgive me if I'm wrong. Who caught coochies? Oh, wicked! So that was mega. Yeah. Um, and it was, and, and and afterwards he told me, you know, I was over the moon for him. I was like, oh man, like well done, man. That's that's incredible, right? Off my corner, by the way, the bit that I wanted to fish. <laughs> um, and he was, he told me afterwards we were walking back, and he went, he said, oh, I said, it's your first coochies. He went, oh yeah. He said, that's my first ever bream. What a way to and do it! I said, man, it. you give up. Give up bream fishing instantly. I said you're never going to beat that. So that was in, that was amazing to see that. You to got see, any idea what I've, he was never doing? Was he fishing up and down? Was he casting? He, he, no, he, he had he had a drop shot rig on and he just cast it as far oh, as he could wow. cast it, and he was just twitching wow. it back. And he said that he he cast it to the horizon in in like desperation cast really. Just well, nothing's happening under my feet. I'll cast it out. I think he said, "Is he drop? Is it dropped?" He had a pluck on the drop, and he thought, "Oh." Garfish, mackerel, whatever. He let it drop, gave it another couple of twitches, and bang, it was on. And you could tell from a distance it was a bream immediately. You know, nice. And all that kind of stuff. And he, in, in his pal came over and netted it for him, and um, he was buzzing. We were all buzzing because it's just such a pretty little fish. I mean, we we don't get those down here, not regular enough that we can target them. So that was incredible. Then I'm starting to think, well, hang on, maybe I'll need to be bream fishing here because, you know, if I could tick, that's a lifer. Luke had also mentioned to me earlier on, oh, that state of tide at that mark, that's your best chance for a top knot. And I still have never had a top knot. Yeah, so I've got all these things going, going on in on my it. mind. Really, really none, screeching. None of which were actually concentrate. Yeah. And if there was any point that weekend where I lost that event, if I was ever in pole position, I lost it. It was on that section oh, man. because there were plenty of fish there and I should have caught more. But 
we saw that Coochies, we saw other stuff. I saw the Chris catch the oh. biggest Tom Pop Lenny I've ever seen in my life. It was 195 millimeters, an absolute oh, yeah. pig wow. of a thing. I, it was just monstrous. That's a baby's arm of that's a baby's arm and of a Tom. When we finally get to see the <laughs> the scores, hopefully, I'd like to think he got the biggest Tom Pop of that day there. I mean, if someone beat that, then that's that's amazing. Um, and we left at that point, of course, off to our night session, didn't we? So where was your final section? You would have been on, I was on, on that the, stone jetty thing. The little peery outfall bit that you were. And how on did about that go? Because you, you were all condensed up the top, then I'm guessing. Yeah, like I think I think that one is a <laughs> I'm having the just groundhog day for me, like the same things happening over and over again. I think I think I managed to do even worse this time around than I did last year. Uh, failed to secure a spot on the prime position on on the end. Um, I resided to I think I had a couple of black gobies from the area that was available, and then I resided to the fact. Well, actually, a bit like you were discussing, there's a few things going on in that Falmouth event because it's quite a complicated uh, point system. Is that you you although it's really a length game, you do get bonuses for how many species um, you secure during the whole event. So I worked out last year that when the tide was in, that there were chamois coming up the wall. And to that point, I hadn't had a chamois in the Falmouth event. So I just, I just resigned myself to come well away from the other anglers right up to the, right up to the top of the section and fish the wall that's actually dry most of the time but i only had the confidence to do that because i worked that out last year because i was in a similar predicament i didn't have anywhere else to fish so i had a nice shanny out of there followed it up with its uh with its partner uh it was in the same hole uh and really it didn't come to anything and to be quite honest again god i'll tell you how much of a groundhog day it is the best part of that session was catching up with luke fox uh granddaddy of, of lrf i hope you won't mind me saying that um yeah it was lovely to catch up with them i haven't seen luke for a while we were we were partners in crime um, in the early team eco gear so that it was really nice to catch up with him and hear what he'd been up to uh and then to be honest with you i couldn't wait soon enough for the end of the session to come knowing that we had another night game session just the final part of the day on um on the pier there i mean it, it's totally you know, the, the fishing on that pier at the end of the day is totally different in lots of senses the format changes slightly in that because it's a pier we can fit all of us on there simultaneously so the whole all three uh groups fish that pier to end the day uh the tide's in we've got more water than we could ever wish for finally um the light's fading which is obviously a trigger for some species to switch and uh there's a, it's a great little venue actually there's there's a there's a tremendous amount of floodlighting on the pier so uh night game dream last year we had a few bits and pieces didn't we i think you had a nice pollock we enjoyed watching the jumbo squid crashing about i think we had some sand smelt um but really what we learned last year is we needed to be near the end and there was some good smelt fishing so as luck would have it you uh you play with the the hand that you dealt with because I finished on that last uh, little jetty mark, which is closest to the pier. So again, I didn't run, <laughs> but I did. I did fast walk around to the. I did fast walk around to the end of the pier and secured what I felt was was the best position right under a right under a floodlight. And um, I think you literally had just arrived from your long walk from the other end, and um, 
I pretty much soon, you know, I was lifting in a, a tiny little scat. Is that right? Did it happen like that? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yes, exactly right. Yeah, so we were, again, it was very condensed on there, wasn't it? Because it's not only people fishing from in the law festival, but there's pleasure anglers, there's there's people on there that have um that have been on the um on the aisle all day and uh so there's it's a bit it's a busy little venue and uh yeah you straight away called it you like there's mini scad there straight away we might be able to we might be able to get some change out of this um got that i think i dropped in a cast you know just got a jammy and got a 25 centimeter scad um which you know compared to the smaller little maybe 18 centimetre ones that we were seeing and, and you were catching was like, well, hello, you know, we might have something here. And then for me, you know, I could end that at that point. That was pretty much it. I, I had plenty of plucks, plenty of pulls. You saw people catching around us sporadically. You made the right choice and said, I'm going to go and try something else. And you winkled them out. And, you know, I ended up staying where I was, hoping that those fish would come back and they never really did in any numbers. Yeah, but again, isn't that an amazing um, turn uh, in a species competition? Like you've already talked about a mini meltdown on, you know, on your midsection, and I've been living a melt. I've been living a nightmare all day, <laughs> and yeah, like I, I remember fondly that that last session at night. I remember feeling relieved that there was some scad there. Obviously, felt relieved to get my first scad on the card because that's another species for the weekend. And in fact, I think I was shouting. I was shouting to Chris after you had yours. You need to catch one, mate, because that's going to save us half hour, an hour later on when we can be in bed. Because that's another that's another thing we don't have to target into dark. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I, I was chipping away. I remember I was stood next to you. I don't know if I'd had maybe two or three of that of the mini ones at, at that point. And I just remember it dried up really. And I think in retrospect, it dried up because the jumbo squid turned up and were probably harassing everything left, right, and centre. Those things are, those things are vicious, more more vicious than any squid I've ever seen before. And you're right. I just went walk walk about, and I think I managed to get uh, another two other areas of the pier. In fact, I had one scad, my classic uh, Millennium Pier Gosport uh, trick, which is to go right up to the start of the pier, almost on dry land. Because it was such a big tide, there was a bit of water moving around the the old stone part, the base of the pier, and I managed to find one right up there, um, which was which was great. And I think I ended on five. So, I mean, there were small scads. I enjoyed getting string together because that's what I I really wanted to do. And to be honest with you, most of that was um, was me trying to uh, correct my uh, my my failures from from Mevers night game uh, session. So. You know, there was a, there was an element of relief, and looking back, that was that was. It's funny. That's what I mean. It's funny, like you say, you had your scad, and and that was it. Very little, but I look back, and that exact same sessions stood next to you. I look back at that, and that's one of my favourite moments from from the entire weekend and over the, three days. It's funny how you can be in the same event next to each other and have a completely different experience. Oh, I was right? just going to say exactly that. Yeah, that's that's competition fishing for you, isn't it? Is that two people doing this very similar thing from what you know? give or take can have two completely different experiences about what's going on. But it was when that event, that session ended, of course, then we had our long walk all the way back to where the car was parked and the horrendous prospect of having to pay for that parking. Um, yeah, that was painful, wasn't it? That was a PB. And we, yeah, we, yeah, that was a PB. Yeah. Then we, we knew, didn't we, that we had to, we had to go to Foy. 
you know, we, that was our last night left. And we'd heard anecdotal evidence of guys that were at Foy the night before when we probably should have been there. That's... And they were sight fishing for Dragonette and they were seeing Flounder and they were catching Scad and they were doing all kinds of, all kinds of stuff there. And we were like, well, we, we need to get in on that. At this point, let's say it was 10 o'clock. I'm guessing that, but let's say it was 10 o'clock. And of course, you've been on your feet all day. No one's really feeling electric at this point. You know, people are hungry. There's a lot of stuff going on. So we jump in the car, we leg it back to where we're staying. Quick bit of leftover pizza, cup of tea, and we're back on the road again. And we might wind ourselves down those narrow lanes all the way down to the bottom at Foy there. And um, yeah, and um, isn't, isn't that typical? We're wandering around there, and you were helpfully trying to get me a bass essentially by saying, Look, I've had bass here at this particular spot before, do this, do that, that's what you want to do. And I think I had a couple of small pollock, but I didn't get a bass. You backed out of it and jammed a bass. Well, not jammed a bass, skillfully caught a bass because you, you, you were doing it on purpose. Um, yeah, you, I retreated to a safe zone that I thought that wasn't gonna wasn't going to interfere with your bass mission. And what do you know? After a couple of pollock of my own, I get completely destroyed by a, a half decent LRF bass um, that Chris very kindly landed in the telescopic net. Yeah, I mean that was typical. I felt bad, but I suppose equally good in the sense that I had an extra species that I needed. But it felt it felt like we made it at that point. It felt like we made a tactical error because. Yeah, what we bought the time that we borrowed from the end of our day, really, we all knew we were just stealing it from the start of the next day and that we were going to need some sleep at some time. Now, I think, as I said to you, as we walked back to the car, because our heads were down, that if we hadn't have done that, as unsuccessful as it was, if we hadn't have done that, we would have always been wondering about what would have happened if we'd have gone. So we needed to go just to just to rule it out. Of course, of course. And you, you take little snippets of stuff out of it. Um there was a oh, fella yeah. came along, wasn't it? And he was, you know, seemed very well versed on spotting the dragonette. And he did find some, right? They were tiny, though, weren't they? I mean, I, I couldn't see them. I mean, he could have been pointing at anything. I couldn't see him. Oh, that yeah. place there, Foy, yeah, is, I've only really ever had one really electric session there years ago when we were sight fishing for flounder and they were coming up in the water. Do you remember? How good was that? Um, but at night... When you got your headlamp on, you you you're peering into water that might only be six eight inches deep. That place is teeming with life. I mean, it is just amazing, right? Shrimp and crabs, and there's apparently dragonette and gobies, and and way more besides. We didn't see any flounders, did we? Um, I I literally oh, you got me back. You got me back for the bass. I just remembered. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you I, did, I was hand I handlined to what I thought was a dragonette. I thought, there we go. I can see one. And handline it to it, and of course it was a scorpion no, I fish. Needed. You know, of course it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that you needed. Touche. Um, and then of course, then we ended up staying at that mark. Yeah, we ended up staying at that mark probably longer than we should have because it was like, well, get your scorpion, man. I mean, while we're here, there, there might be another one. But anyway, you're right. As we walked back to the car, you were absolutely right. We had to try it, but of course, what it did, we 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 had to double down at that point and go. Well, we might only have three four hours fishing in the morning we need to wake up with a plan we need to wake up in the morning decisive 
oh, sorry, with a decisive plan. This is what we're going to go and do, and this is what we're going to do. And we both needed balance. You needed a Scorpo. I needed a Gold Cine. Um And uh, what else was there? Because I did three the next morning. And a dragon, of course. And we both needed dragons, right? And it was, I woke up in the morning because I'd set my alarm for six and it made me giggle because I got up at six. We got to bed at two, bearing in mind, and we're we're old dudes now. I mean, there was a combined 130 years staying in that, um, in that um, more than that, actually. And um, I got up early, got downstairs, slice of toast, cup of tea, like kind of shake the cobwebs off. Chris come down, all bleary-eyed. He said, oh... Someone's alarm woke me up this morning at six. I was, yeah, that was me. I'm up. <laughs> Let's go and do some fishing. <laughs> and then I, I thought to myself, well, the only place I feel that gives us the best opportunity would be going back to Mever, even though I knew I, that might be a tough sell to you and Chris. No, it's funny you and should thought, say that because I recall it slightly different. I recall thinking that we had a bit of a challenge ahead of what we were going to do with that that morning, that last morning. And I'll be honest with you, I went I went sound though as my head my as my head hit the pillow, whereas normally my head would be worrying and I couldn't get to sleep. And the reason that I slept so well is I knew that you would wake up with the plan. Like it didn't matter what it didn't matter what the plan was, it didn't matter what you were going to tell me we needed to do in the morning. I knew it was going to be your head worrying, and I knew you would make you would make the the best uh, the best decision. So when I clambered down the stairs for a for a cup of tea and you talked me through it um yeah I, I couldn't have second guessed it I wasn't I wasn't particularly enamored at, at it at face value but I knew it was the right decision and as you talked me through it and as you talked through the the three species that we could both do there I was all in I knew it, it, it in seconds I knew it's like right I can buy into this and and I think this is a, a good point in the uh in the podcast where probably the if we've got anyone left with us, I'll be surprised because I think our speed and our tone for the last half an hour of going through the very real pain of a, of a 48 hour species comp. I think it's at this point in the last half a day on the Sunday morning that we need to kind of up the pace again, because I think that that mirrors where we were at at this stage in the competition. Like, we were bought into i i'm never i'm never enjoying fishing more than executing a plan you delivered the plan after thinking about it no doubt no end and we knew what we needed to do we needed to get the ballon and we were both all in on right we're going to get the ballon on plastic we know where the dragonets were and we know how to catch them we just hadn't got round to it i needed my scorpo of which i was well up for the challenge and um probably the hardest i thought on the list was your gold scene but you you seemed up for it and um, that's what we did, right? So, so talk us through what we did when we arrived and how that went. We, at best, we thought our best possible scenario will be we would get down there and we would have that whole breakwater jetty to ourselves. And of course, we get down there and there's half a dozen other guys there straight away. So, but we we've got our as everyone would have. They got you got your little spots along that along that jetty where we've caught balance before previously and people are re- i think it's fair to say that people were really struggling for balance over 100%. the weekend especially at never yeah absolutely absolutely and but that whole section that we wanted to cover for balance we had it all to ourselves right everyone else was up the other end so <clears throat> we were going to go 
all in, not mess around on bits of a soma and stuff like that. It was, it was all plastic, right? Well, and we're not talking, you know, fishing off the rocks for, you know, 50, 55 centimetre ballons here. We're talking all we need is a little 20 centimetre ballon, but we had to stack the odds in our favour, and that was we need to go plastic with it. Because those, is anyone, we said earlier on, you'll often turn up to these marks and you'll get beasted on your yep. first or second cast by a ballon because that's the, he's the top dog or she's the top dog in that swim. Anything that lands in there, she's going to have first go at. So you use that to your advantage and, and then present them something. That that mark would have been rested by law anglers, let's say, for at least 24 hours because everyone else would have been at Falmouth. So it's all time to reset. It's settled down a little bit. I've picked, got out a slightly heavier rod rather than using the LRF sort of 7-gram rod. I've gone up to a 15-gram or 14, whatever it might be. Just to make sure that it, whatever I hit, I land. You know, regardless of the size of it, I've got a chance of landing it. Um, and I think second pass of that little corner that we like to fish, I was, again, cool. the greatest lure on the planet, Rain's AX Crawl. Um, tell me different, and I'll disagree with you. And I put it on a free rig with the, the idea being that I would just present something completely opposite to what I didn't want to fish static. I wanted to get it up and down and moving. I really wanted to catch the attention of anything Ballon that was in that area, like make it, make it want to eat whatever that happened to be. And I think second part. And did, I, I don't sure I asked this. Did you go offset hook? Yes. Or open offset. You were offset. Yeah. Okay, so we were basically scaled down ras fishing, weren't we? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Because yeah. I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to waste time losing gear there. That's what that was. I, I, I didn't. I would prefer yeah. not to, but I didn't want to waste any time. And I think second pass through, I, I winkled out a ballon. I don't. I did. I, we didn't measure it, but it was small. Um, huge relief. I mean, that's the way to start the day, right? When you've got a plan, get that one done. Huge, huge relief. I gave you the nod, I think. Yeah, you had a you huge know, straight away. It's done. I across and I was like, here we go, here comes the rampage. Yeah. And like, we, yeah, we, we, like a couple and of then WWF you came in, wrestlers, then you, we tag teamed you... ourselves back around. I went back in, almost did exactly what you'd done. <laughs> I think I even stole your AX core that you still had ripped up and put it on my free rig. You swapped over to have a go for a Dragonet in our Dragonet corner. Yep. And I think mine was on the first pass, which is insane, right? Is I flicked it out, I lifted it up, it come back down. I've got that telltale ding of a of a badass yeah. killing or yep. stunning a creature, and I was on, and it was in. And uh, I couldn't help smile to myself that I finally got the ras fishing that I wanted to do that weekend. It albeit it lasted three minutes. I think tying the rig took longer than it did the fishing, but yeah, I was I had such a buzz on because you know anyone that follows me on social. Um, knows that I've got a bit of a one-man agenda at the moment about you know plastics can outfish flavours and I, I you know I'm not I'm not being an ass about it I genuinely believe it and I'm gem genuinely trying to preach that gospel to everyone to make them think out the box a little bit because I think it is unhealthy to get locked on a soma and we you know in 10 minutes of a 48 hour event we proved that by switching it up and we had it done and there were people that failed to secure a, a ballon ras in that entire in that entire morning um doing it the, the usual lrf's way so that was cool so so then i kind of lose track i know i stuck on the dragonets in our favorite spot on the sand there um uh, i was fishing there's, there's very little i can do to make dragonets cool in terms of 
tactics. So it was a split shot rig. It was over heavy because we had quite a depth of uh, water below us. And the key that we found, that we found with Dragonets, is you need to be hard on the bottom. And and actually, a little drag of that, those split shots, and a little puff of sand is exactly what you need to do to switch them on. Um, I think you gave it a go, and then possibly wandered off to try and secure a gold sinning. Is that right? Well, fun enough, I'm just looking now to, to, at my pictures and I remembered it all wrong. So I I did. I went looking and I don't know if it was at that moment. It was around that time that we all got distracted by a bluefin tuna. <laughs> yeah, well, quite a, distract- a distraction it was. Yeah, yeah which, which, which we, could, we could do another hour on just that little event. It was just incredible. Just I've never seen it in person. I've I've never been lucky enough to witness that, let alone so close. But when there's a bluefin busting up, well, competition or otherwise, you've just got to stand yeah, back and just it? drink that in because it was just one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. <laughs> Something the side size of a Fiat Panda smashing and jumping and chasing garfish out of the water and stuff like that was just mind blowing. And that that in a nutshell for me kind of that's everything that clf is all about because it's dropping us in the places that we wouldn't ordinarily be and you're witnessing stuff that you wouldn't ordinarily witness that obviously it might have only lasted five minutes but everyone all everyone that's fishing there is all fixated on what's happening here um i remembered it that i went and then got my gold sinny my photos tell me i didn't i went looking came back and after you said oh i've got my dragonette they where we thought they were, and then I, I kind of had to get my um, get my my head in the game there, and I eventually, after many passes and a couple of drop fish, managed to get the dragonette done. And again, they're very small there, but they're very pretty, you know. Oh yeah, what a stunning little thing when I swung it to hand. Yeah, almost felt. Did it have blue on it? Felt felt to me it had blue on it. Yeah, mine was very mottled. Was a very anyway. It's a very pretty fish. Open, uh, an open sea fish. You know, the ones I get down here are very muddy, coloured. They're not very attractive. But they, anyway, so over the moon with that, of course. And then, but what I had ultimately done is left the most difficult one till last. And I only say that because anecdotally, again, some of the other guys fishing, they had a good little run of gold sinny very first thing in the morning. For, not first light, but let's say very early. And after that, they were saying, I was chatting at the end, because you know, at that point, the conversation is, what are you after? What do you need? And I said, well, I still need a gold sinny. And I said, oh, we have plenty this morning. And I said, what were they, tiny ones? And he was like, no, no, they were proper ones, right, in gold sinny terms. And I was like, oh, all right. And that kind of gave me less confidence, really. I was just hoping there'd be loads of little tiny gold sinny there. And... Uh, there was another couple of uh, lads there also trying to get a gold sinning and ballon. So I just sat on a corner, the inside corner of the outside arm, for want of a better word. I'm on the inside corner and just worked out that yeah. there was a lovely little bit of flow from left to right. And I could just, I was fishing tiny at that point, as small as I had in my bag. And I'm just doing a gentle underarm lob at one end and it would hit the bottom and if I just held the rod up high, the tide would let it come and then it would dog leg round the corner of its own accord. I didn't have to do any of that. It would just, all I had to do was follow it with the rod. As soon as I re- as soon as it returned round that corner, 
I was getting Telltale Cork Queen taps. Yeah. Bang, one. Hooked a couple of Cork Queens, but it just felt nice. And I thought, well, if anything, it's going to be the best opportunity. And about three or four Cork Queens later, I had a tiny little gold cine. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm at that point of the day where I'm like, well, I'm not sure there's anything else left for me now, but we had time to kill. Um, so I... I'm at that point, I'm thinking, well, do you know what? I've probably done my bit here. I'm happy with that. And then I just went and watched you trying to get to catch a Scorpo for the last half an hour, you know? I, I remember I remember when you informed me that you'd done both and I was super relieved because the Gold Cine was the one that I was least confident that we'd achieve. So when you mm. told me that you'd done it, I was genuinely delighted. And I think that spurred me on an extra 10% to, um, to get the Scorpo done. Like... Uh, the Scorpo story, well, the Scorpo story potentially could go on a little bit. Um, I definitely saved the best to last. It's the same story again. You've got a 48 hour competition, and yet it definitely breaks down into chapters, and some of those chapters are better than others. And I definitely saved the best to last. So the backstory with me and Scorpos and Meva is that if we wind back the clock to 2014, would you believe, that's when you and I had our, our arguably our greatest. Uh, success with CLF. You came first uh, with 17 species. You beat uh, Josh uh, Legend, who uh, also had 17 species, and we beat him. You beat him that year on um, on the count back on species points because I believe we had a, a rare at the time, Black Bream, which was mega awesome. The sub story uh, was that I came third with 16 species. But the bit that I'm getting to was I ended I ended that match at Meva in my own funk, trying to catch purposefully a scorpion fish, knowing that if I landed that scorpion fish, I would have jumped ahead at you. And unbeknown to me at the time, I would have won the event. We would have won two did. So um, I had a bit of I was carrying it into this day. I was carrying this year. I was carrying a bit of baggage that um, it was yet again. I don't know how many times I've said it on this podcast. It was Groundhog Day for me that I found myself at Meva with a, with a sometimes tricky fish to target. Uh, and i tell you what was interesting. It does relate. It relates to this podcast. It might be the, the first success of our podcast. Um, what if, if, the, if, the, if, if we've got any listeners and uh, they're following our first podcast, they probably won't yet be aware that we actually did, uh, we actually did what we're referring to as a, a pilot podcast uh, just a few weeks ago now. Uh, and the reason we're referring to it as a pilot podcast is because we royally screwed up uh, the technical side of it. And currently it remains uneditable, but we hope to get it to you. But the, the benefit, the reason that I say it might have had its first success is um, I really hope we can get it to you because there's a brilliant section in there where Dan talks through his uh scorpion fish strategy which i have to say is is awesome so i was lucky because i just had um i just had a refresher course in targeting scorpion fish with plastic from the maestro himself dan so i was already feeling better than normal and i knew what i wanted to do so i got jig head the the weather the weather had allowed me to fish the way i wanted which was fabulous otherwise i probably would have been in a funk but uh, I had a jig head. I was fishing one and a half grams, uh, which was good for the, you know, which was really nice and finessey for the for the depth of water we had. I first lure out the bag that I fancied was a, a little sort of straight tail shrimp kind of lure from a Japanese company called Mars. Um, a, a glittery 
brown jobby and you know i immediately had confidence in that that it was trying to replicate what i thought the scorpion fish were eating which probably shrimps down the bottom of the wall so i followed dan's uh plan that you will hopefully get to hear at some point to the letter started on a section of wall and moving along uh got you know your first job is to get that lure that light lure down to the bottom so you have to negotiate the fringe of uh weed that lives at the i'm guessing it's the low watermark right just below the low watermark so between you and the bottom there's a fringe that sticks out because it's buoyant you're trying to get your lure into the bottom of the wall so you've got to kind of got to go around the weed or you've got to negotiate through the weed down to the bottom section there and then once you're there once you you feel like you're in close close enough to the wall within half a foot of the wall say then the technique is basically up, down, up, down, pause, up, down, up, down, pause, and then shuffle along a little bit and repeat. Uh, so I was working my way along the wall, and I've got no recollection of time at this at this point. But you know, I've easily got an hour and a half to get this done, so I don't know how much time has elapsed. And then I, I make myself, you know, the, the the process is going along, and I'm staying with it, and I'm feeling good. Uh, and I reach a little sort of corrugated part of the breakwater wall. And I get a hit. And um, yeah, it's one of those things that's very hard to describe or even describe how you know. But, you know, from this single hit that unfortunately doesn't stick this time, I kind of got a really strong feeling of its target. Uh, it's definitely not It's definitely not a raspite. Um, it's hard to think of what else is hitting, what I'm showing. So like, I'm really, you know, I've got a bit of a buzz on and I think Dan's fishing somewhere or other and he you know it's probably it, well I know it, we were talking about it this podcast like we don't do running I think it was the the first bit of running I've done all weekend because I'm excited that I found one of these spiky little things so I run back to my base camp to get another lure um which which maybe is useful to people right and it's one of the it's one of the things that I think one of the areas that Dan and I have developed because of our our freshwater competition angling like it's fairly common in freshwater uh, lure fishing tournaments that you get to throw a lure several times at the same fish, especially if you think about things like forward-facing sonar. You can see the thing and you're physically targeting a fish. And you very quickly learn that once a fish has seen something, or certainly if it's attacked it, it's very unlikely it's going to repeat that because it's effectively learned that that isn't what it wants. And I think this score power, in my mind at least, it had liked the look of it and what I was doing, thanks to how Dan had taught me to do it. It had attacked it, it had had it in its mouth and it had quickly, but quicker than I reacted to it maybe, had discerned that this was an animal object and it spat it out. So for me to try and repeat that process as is without making any changes would have just, well, it probably would have just scared the fish off or it would have certainly like confirmed to this fish that there was danger or something wasn't right here and it would have cleared off, I would have imagined. So. I knew instinctively that before I did what most anglers, I think me too, through certain part of my LRF journey, would have just thought, okay, I'll send it back down for another go. Rather than do that, I took the time to remember the exact spot I was in, head back to my base camp, rough, <laughs> rifle through a gazillion lures to find something else. The second lure that I put on was actually, I went the other way. I thought I'm going to show it something completely different. Now I know where it is. So I put on a tiny little one inch paddle tail, clear, uh, head back to the spot, send it back down, repeat the process, get it back in the area where I knew it was. And what do you know? 
up down up down pause up down up down pause i get another hit now uh what what with like the backstory that i've given you about my nemesis of scorpion at, at mever at the end of clf it it doesn't connect again so you can imagine you can imagine where i'm at i don't think you know i think oh well this, oh well this is obvious of course it was going to end this way um but but you know like same again right same rules apply keep your head about you so i switch again so same thing uh, run back to base camp, find another lure, different again. This time I go back to a confidence bait, Aquawave Ami, it's a little shrimp pattern, it's only 1.3 inches long. I opt for a super clear, natural thing. It's effectively a pintail, it's got no action. It relies on the fact it's got a life, uh, a lifelike profile. And I repeat it, and I mean, you can probably guess where I'm going. Um, finally, the, the baggage is set free. Up, down, up, down. I can't believe that I get a third bite of the cherry. I, I actually can't remember another time previously where actually a fish has, um, a fish has, has, has come back a third time. Uh, and what do you know? I get the hit. This time when I lift the rod gingerly, there's a bit of weight there. As Dan said earlier, it's very hard to explain how you know. It only comes with experience, but there's very little fight. It's like it's like reeling a tiny little plastic bag through the water because a scorpo is nothing but a massive uh, a massive mouth, right? A head and a mouth. So you know, like there's a bit of resistance there. Very little fight, and I know it's on there, and I'm thinking, please stay on. And then you know, like it, it gets to the surface, and uh, it's a lovely dark red, beautiful little scorpo, and it swings to hand, and I could not be happier. You know, that 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 moment, I genuinely say this, that moment, I've relived it several times since I got home and that that made my CLF. Right. And I, and I think this is the thing, like when we're at the presentation and we're we're listening to how many species the heroes, heroes like Will have achieved and, and others, it, it, it would be very easy for LRF anglers or maybe people that are thinking that they're interested in clf but don't feel like they're going to be competitive It'd be very easy to get turned off by those like ridiculous numbers that some people are catching but it's the moments in a 48 hour competition like my scorpion fish story that little part of that whole event that yeah made made my week made my weekends made my week made my month you know it's a great story that i no doubt i'll i'll carry into future future seasons so yeah i loved it man i love the whole thing i love the end of it i love love loved a lot of it that that is that's clf in a nutshell isn't it because it it's yes of course it's trying to whack out those numbers and um as many species as you can and could be cornwall you might get some lifers down there it's all possible all things are possible down there which is why it keeps drawing certainly one of the main reasons it keeps drawing me back um but on a species hunt, more so than any other format that I can think of, it's it's those little victories along the way when you've got to make those slight little subtle changes. Because we've all been what I would just describe as junk fishing before. You're on a jetty, you're on a pier, you're fishing with a somay or gob or whatever. And you're catching stuff for fun. It's a tompot, then a pollock, then a scorpo, then a pout. And, and you'll come back and you think, oh, wow, well, I did 12 species today in a couple of hours. And it all seems so easy. But CLF, you've got lack of sleep, so you're tired. You're running around like a lunatic. You're fishing here. You can't park there. You get somewhere, and there's already 10 guys there. So you're fishing more than the fish. You're fishing the circumstances. You're fishing your own mental state at that moment. I'm not trying to overplay this in any sense. Do you know what I mean? But ultimately, 
for the guys like us and most other guys that have fished, most people fishing there weren't local. So you're traveling a long way to get there. You're spending time away from your family or whatever that might be, days off work and all these different things. So you want to do yourself some justice, right? You want to come away by going, all right, well, I didn't win the thing, but that happened, this happened. And Cornwall does deliver that in spades, whether it's a bluefin tuna, whether it's a little personal battle between someone and a scorpion fish, whether it's um, uh, over the years we've always struggled for garfish and then all of a sudden we're fishing away and then like a whole shoal of garfish just appear out of nowhere. It's all these little personal battles on the way. And any good competition format, once you've done it several times over the years, I think that if it's made you laugh and cry in equal measure, then it's probably doing its job, and which is why it's such a shame if that was the last one. I'm not sure if it is, but I hope that it isn't and someone takes it up and runs with it. So that's our little CLF adventure. 48 hours condensed into two hours. When we first come up with this podcast idea, I did say I didn't want anything lasting longer than 30 minutes. The Great Lost episode uh, went on for an over an hour, and we may ne- that may never see the light of day. Um, we'll try, but I fear that it's gone forever. Um, Ad dropped off a minute ago, but he has come back again. Are you recording, Ad? No, he's not recording. He's shaking his head at me. So CLF in and of itself is a an amazing event. It sells Cornwall very, very well in terms of what's available for light game anglers. We haven't touched anything upon how the bass anglers did, how the rass anglers did and all that. These are all completely separate events that run along the same lines along the same weekend, particularly in the bass event. There are some absolute stone-cold legends fishing that, and that's a different level as far as I'm concerned. You know, that's 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 proper stuff going on there. Um, I, I think I finished fourth in the end. I was bettered by Ross Johnson. Well, that's fine. I'll, I'll take that. Uh, Rich Salter, he's been smashing it over the past few years, and I wouldn't deny him that in any place. And, of course, Mr. Pender. Um who absolutely just dominates in that part of the world and probably anywhere that he happens to dangle a line. So um, no problem for me whatsoever propping up that stack of of proper, proper anglers there. And it just goes to prove that whether it's... Um, if anyone ever looks down their nose at the light game, the LRF side of things, you know, last resort fishing was a, was a term banded around a few years ago. There's just as much skill and um, effort put into running around, catching these the weird little stuff, the the common things and all that, and everything in between. That it's it's a format that I hope is is taken on by someone, or whether Ben concedes and gives in and chooses to um, go with it for one more time. Um, because there will, there is always one more time. There's always, you know, like a great, like a great band. There will always be one last, one last concert. So, I do hope that's the case. Um, I'm not sure we've got anything else to add. If you've been stuck with us for two hours and three minutes as it stands at the moment, I, we really do thank you for that. You probably want to, you know, listen to this in some chunks. Although it's a bit end for that. It's the end now. But if you skip to the end. 
split this up into three or four chunks, it will certainly make it a little bit more listenable. The only thing I want to add to all of this is as it stands today, it's the fourth, whether I'll, hopefully I'll get this out in a couple of days, we'll do our best, is that the Team England Predator team are out practising as we speak, or maybe not this time of night, but they have been today in Latvia. They've got three days practice when the real event starts um, at the end of the week. So uh, best of luck to those dudes out there. We've got um, Kevin Tom and Mike and Rich out there doing that um, this week. So I really hope those boys smash it out there. They've got all the tools to do it. So I just wanted to throw that in the end. So hopefully by the time this lands, we will be hearing how those guys are doing. Um, are you back in the game, Ad? No. So we've lost Ad potentially forever. We'll leave that there. I hope you've enjoyed it. You know where to find us if you want us. We're going to try and knock one of these out as regularly as we can, provided we've got something to talk about. They won't all be two hours long, I promise. But until we uh, until we meet again, tight lines, and we'll see you all soon.